Hi, this is Nick Dawson, the editor-in-chief of Talk Has Film, and you're listening to the Talk Has Film podcast. The roots of this latest episode are, well, a little unusual. Dan Schechter, the writer-director of Supporting Characters and Life of Crime, and also a regular contributor to this site, was excited to see and write about appropriate behavior, the semi-autobiographical feature debut of Desiree Akavan. An Iranian-American actor, writer, and director, Akavan first made her mark on the New York indie scene with the web series The Slope, and is currently having something of a moment. Right now, appropriate behavior is in theaters and getting great reviews, and she's also a recurring character on this season of Girls. Schechter's piece aimed to talk not only about Akavan's movie, but also a broader issue of gender imbalance within film and the inequality, or perceived inequality, that affects women trying to break into the industry. Ultimately, though, Schechter decided he hadn't been able to convey what he was trying to and opted to kill his piece. However, from the ashes of that article came this podcast, a conversation between Schechter and Akavan in which they discuss, of course, appropriate behavior in women in film and also bad actors, director jail, finding your voice and much, much more. Hi, I'm uh, Dan Schechter. I'm a guest uh, podcaster for TalkHouse podcasting podcast and uh with my with me today is my guest desiree akavan talk about her film appropriate behavior what up hey i like this as calling it podcasting podcast can you talk about your therapy you said you just came from therapy you, know, you, you <laughs> cried i don't want to immediately make you cry on the podcast but can we just get, get real can we get real you said um, you cried were you being serious that you cried i was being serious i did cry today in therapy happy or sad cry God, I have never happy cried in therapy. I've happy <laughs> cried in my life a lot, like in the past. I had never happy cried in my life. And this is so cheesy. I hate to admit this, but I'm totally going to admit it. I had never happy cried until I got... And it wasn't the moment I found that I got into Sundance, but it was like the the aftermath of it. Like I remember having a conversation... Um, we were having a phone conversation with Synetic and we were talking about picking up the film and all the options and what's going to happen in the next few weeks. And I, it was, thank God it was a phone conversation. And I was in one room with my producers and I just had to leave because I was crying and I was just thinking, I can't believe this is my life. Yeah. Uh, and then that those were happy tears. Yeah, it's it's the best and the worst news a filmmaker can get. It's a punch in the gut when you get rejected from like a festival. Because I have a lot of friends sweating out like South by Southwest right now. Oh, yeah, and they're like they fe- we're all control freaks. We're directors, and they want to like just call up the programmer and go, "This should be in your festival." No duh, this is like perfect for it. But the fact that they can't control it makes them all the more miserable, and they kind of secretly know a no is coming, and it's the worst. No, I've been rejected from so many things in my life, and it um, yeah, you know it's coming too. Like, you're really convinced. And that's the funny thing, too. And that's why it was such an emotional shock, because I actually thought... So I know Kim Yutani was, at that time, an acquaintance of mine. And I saw that she had called me. And I was in the UK at the time. I was doing post in the UK. So she wrote an email being like, I tried calling her cell. Can we Skype later? And I was like, oh, shit. She's calling to say that it didn't happen. And I was very convinced of that because of the date. I just felt like it was too early to know yes yet yeah but do you also um, do that to yourself do you like prepare yourself for bad yeah. news so it doesn't crush you yeah. but also it's not so it doesn't crush me like i think i'm used to bad news i think i've <laughs> like i really wish it's like that's my tactic i'm so modest but i really had yeah. never i've applied to 30 festivals with shorts and been rejected i've spent 
thousands of dollars on application fees with every short I ever made yeah. and was rejected. So I'm so used to being rejected and Sundance just seemed like the loftiest goal in the world, like absurdly. Like if we were lucky, we would be in a second tier and we would be fine. And like the main goal was just making something that didn't horrify us with shame. Sure. And once we locked picture and we were like, okay, we're not horrified, whew, then like we can live with ourselves and, and keep going in the morning. Uh, that was after that we were not expecting to go to Sundance no I think it's just a smart first feature to make I think if you look at whether it's Clerks or Swingers or Brothers McMullen or Tiny Furniture or like Mean Streets the people who made their first movie that was like their basically first hand life experience it's just way more likely not to be a shitty movie because it's not going to be implausible or bullshit or phony it's just I think it's a really smart thing to do with a first time film I don't know. I would never give that advice because I don't know if that's everyone's talent I or agree. interest either. Like some people are really good at genre or some people like there are some filmmakers who you watch what they do and they're like they're and that's and I say this as someone who went to film school and, you know, held the boom on a shit ton of uh, like tiny films that no one will ever watch. But some people's talent is that big budget, high concept thing and you don't get to make that first. And they're annoyed that they don't, you know, I got very yeah. lucky, I think, that I don't really have that aesthetic or that desire. Me too. I want to make like Alexander Payne, James L. Brooksy yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. movies. So it, you're right. It happens to benefit me personally that I want to make a naturalism slice of life kind of movie. The sequence that I love, I'm curious if, you know, you found it or if it was in the original draft. It's sort of, I don't want to give too much away, but Sheeran, the lead character, goes on a promising but sort of a, a first date that doesn't go particularly well with the this girl she's trying to make her girlfriend jealous with. And then she has a pretty, what seems to me like the most adventurous sexual night that maybe that character had ever had. My interpretation of the sequence without giving it away is that she's experimenting with her bisexuality and see how far she can go with this. What, what do I like? What do I want to do? What makes me feel comfortable and good about myself? And to me, that's when the movie hits that stride. That 10 to 15 mm-hmm. minute sequence of the movie is just... <laughs> exceptional and not just because it's like sexy or there's like other sex to it yeah. it's funny in the most subtle way it's real I've seen dynamics like that I can it feels super original and fresh like I can't point to anything that I've seen like it at all it's my favorite sequence too and to me that's the heart of the film yeah of how you fall down the rabbit hole and how you can really lose yourself when you're trying to identify what it is you aren't before you figure out what you are. And I don't remember how it was written, but I will say that many people along the way told me to cut it. And it was shocking. Yeah. We had an EP who even in post said, once again, that is the one sequence I think has to go. And it was my producer, Cecilia, who time and time again said, no way, trust me. And when we were on set and shooting it, there was a moment where I looked at her and I said, you know, I had just watched playback and I thought it was starting to look like a porn. And I said, you know, I can't live with myself if I if I shoot this and it's really gratuitous. And she said, trust me, just keep going. It's the opposite of a porn. I will mm-hmm. say that first shot of their scene is is erotic really pornographic well seeming but i mean but it works i mean i'm with it worked it was not erotic in a way that turned me like oh this is filth it just was you showed what it was in an attractive way without making the actors have to do something that looked yeah 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 it was like perfect 
And then I watched it here on my TV that you said was this really is, big. This is a really huge TV, by the way. By myself. And I really liked the sequence. And then I watched it at Lincoln Center with an audience. And it's really funny sequence because what yeah. you're doing is so subtle that it wasn't that it was I, – I got what you were doing there. But it, it was sadder when I watched it alone because it is sad. In it's an really audience, sad. I think there also there's like uncomfortable <laughs> laughter that starts out at first. And then it becomes real laughter because the sexual experience went from becoming so sexy to so awful in – the blink of an eye. And those two actors are phenomenally, not they're only are they good, good, they're perfectly cast. They just felt real to me. I think the worst thing about low-budget movies or short films is that you, they, you tend to cast really actory actors who look like actors from acting class being in a movie. And like those just two people just seem... But they came in. It's, that's what's so funny oh, about casting. And No, no, no. I don't mean those actors. What's so funny about casting is every day you see a different version of your film play out before your eyes. And I'm saying those shitty, like, actory actors from acting class, they audition too. Like, I remember one day everyone who came in was the Lifetime movie version of my film. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. And then the CBS version walked in, and it was, like, slightly different. Um, it was like that scene in Annie Hall when he's doing the play within the movie, yes, yes, and it's yes. the two actors playing him in Annie Hall. And I think about that scene all the time when I'm auditioning. Exactly. Where you're like, oh, you're the caricature of the person that I wrote. <laughs> and I could totally see someone being attracted to being like, well, we found her. <laughs> She's like the hotter version of what you had in mind. And uh, <laughs> Did you ever think about not playing the role yourself? No, I didn't. Good. You should be an actor and you will Thank be the rest you. of your life. Oh, that's very kind I of you. I swear to God, I thought that when I watched Girls This Week, you just came on screen and just owned it. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, I didn't feel that way when I watched some of The Slope today. You've gotten way better as an I know, actor I know. when you watch it. Well, The Slope was different, though. That's what's funny. is like I never saw The Slope as an acting challenge. It was just silliness. It Did was you have like, an improv background? Because no. I just started doing improv, but it seemed like you did. And a lot of the people in the show took, were from that, right? Yeah, I took an intro to improv class at Upright Citizens Brigade like a out. decade ago. <laughs> And that yeah, it's a great class. Yeah. And a lot of directors take it. I really, really loved it there. And I did improv growing up. Actually, I did do a lot of improv growing up. I really love it. And that's also the way that I write. And it sounds like that's the way you write is I act out the dialogue. Yeah. I really, um, I just love thinking on my feet. And I always do better on my feet than with all the time in the world. Did you do that at all with this movie? Like, did you just have an actor no. come in and just sort of workshop it with another person to, to bounce off of? Well, no, but Cecilia and I did act out every single moment of it on her couch just over and over again. Tariq and I, Tariq is the guy who plays the black lead guy of yeah. supporting characters. And it was helpful for us to improv because we were very obviously the two people. And we would improv what we thought the scene was about. So he wants to propose to his girlfriend. I think it's a terrible idea. And we would record four versions of it on my iPhone and just improv whatever came out. And then we listened to it all back, pick the best of the best stuff. Oh, and wow. those scenes feel like improv when you watch them, but they're, those are like the most scripted in the movie. <laughs> and Alex Karpovsky is really, you know, he's my movie me. I was saying to you before <laughs> that I'm jealous because I, I love like Albert, Albert Brooks is like my favorite. Yeah. Like if, I, I wish I could be Albert Brooks in <laughs> Modern Romance or Defending Your Life is like my favorite movie. I love that film. Well, it's so fun to... And I said this in my talk house, talk house piece that I did for A Million Ways to Die in the West. There's a subtext to knowing that the person on screen put themselves in that embarrassing situation. There's something endearing <laughs> about it. It infuses all of Lena's work. Yeah. You know, no matter how obnoxious that character comes off on girls, she knows that. She wrote it. Exactly. She's performing to that. Exactly. So she's in on that joke. With Albert Brooks, when he's asking questions about what the fuck is this heaven thing and I'm fighting for my life, you know he designed all the rules for that universe. And yet it's fun to watch him be curious about it and playful. And maybe that's how he even came up with some of the ideas was having this. So it, I don't know. I love when 
And it's like only once every five years there's like a good one. But that and that's what I was about <laughs> to say. I was like, it's so rare yeah. that it's a person who should be acting, writing, and yes. directing the same film yes. that it makes me cringe when I say that I did that. Whenever yeah. anybody's like, actor, writer, director, I'm like, oh, fuck. Well, how self-indulgent is that? And it really can blow up in your face yes. and has for many, many people I know. And the fact that I did it was, and the only reason why I never considered casting someone was just because someone I trusted, my producer was by my side saying, there's yeah. no one else who's doing this. Did you want to be an actor? Is that part of this? When I was a kid, I did. I grew up wanting to be an actor uh, in and around New York, and I always took classes after school and in the summers. And I just knew that I didn't look like an actor, and there was a very specific way of what an actor looked like, and I knew that wasn't a lifestyle I wanted to chase. Well, you're not, like, tough on the eyes. You're photogenic. <laughs> I, I mean, you look that. like you should be... But I didn't as a kid. Okay. So, like, I really... It took a really long time for me to grow into my face. And I mean that genuinely, like not like the way that Charlize Theron types will be like, I was so ugly. Like, no, I was very I ugly. I believe you, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so like I went to see an agent when I was a teenager and she was like, do you play basketball? And I was like, no. And she's like, do you speak uh, Arabic? And I was like, no. And she was like, I will never, ever find work for you. And she was right, though. Like with the way that you look and it hit me at that age. I was like, oh, the way I look will define the rest of my life. And that was when I started writing. Okay, so one of the reasons that we're here is because mm -hmm. I wrote an article for TalkHouse about your film, and I wanted to say something about the differences between, or perceived differences between men and women who are trying to get into the film industry. Mm -hmm. What the hell's my point here? Mm -hmm. There's something about tiny furniture and appropriate behavior that is going to be inherently more interesting than I think supporting characters. I think that movie actually fits slightly in, in, that, in that group. But there's something about seeing a new person that makes it all the more exciting. I've seen funny Jewish guys before, but when I saw you and Lena, I know Lena. Lena's my cousin-in-law. I don't know if you know that. It's like I a did weird, not know that. It's That's a hilarious. I met her in like 2008, and she showed me her first feature, which was called uh, Creative, Creative Nonfiction. Non and, you know, it wasn't Tiny Furniture, but you could see her, that she was really exciting. And I remember I wrote her an email, and I said, I remember when Judd Apatow met Seth Rogen, he said, what was amazing about Seth was he was a fully fleshed out comic persona when I met him. He was just, yeah. he didn't need to form it. He was just that. And I felt that way about Lena the second I saw her on screen. Mm -hmm. And I feel the exact same way about you. Thank you. I remember seeing a clip from Sundance. It, it was probably the clip where you go and get your bra and you have that funny opening oh, line. Yeah, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, was, I didn't need to watch the whole clip. It was like five seconds in. I just recognized you as someone from real life that I hadn't seen in film before that I was like excited by whatever reason. So I think that's sort of part of the inherent excitement around a female making a movie is that just by the nature it's not a guy and it's not something I've seen a dozen times do the same thing. We were just talking about Albert Brooks and Woody Allen and... But what's so funny is the very thing you're saying right now is what keeps me from being a new filmmaker as opposed to the next Lena Dunham. I, because there's only Lena out there, I mean, I see it as a strength and I see it as like this exciting thing of like, there are so few voices and we're, we all have something new to add to the, to the table. Yeah. And yet when you read about us, and when you, when anyone's heralding a new female voice, it is not listen to this new person. It's, hey, it's another knockoff of Lena Dunham. I know, and that's all. and that's not just me. That's Broad City. That's 
the director of Zero Motivation. That's like every, there have been so many women who came out on the scene this year with something exciting and fresh to say, and they were the new Lena Dunham. It's crazy how big her umbrella is. I even know girls who right out of film school got an agent because they they had that Lena Dunham thing that people were looking for but at you that know time. What, but, and they were frustrated that they didn't want to be repeating her or look like they're copying her. It was weird. But anything that felt sexual, honest, and realistic based in around New York mm-hmm. felt like you were doing something in her world. But it's that, I'm saying that that's the inherent sexism. That like, that's the thing that prevents like, people know that they can make money off of curmudgeonly guys who are and like irritated with the ladies in their life. Like Sideways was a hit. All these films forever that I grew up watching followed that same formula, you know, that that Annie Hall, Woody Allen, Al Brooks formula. Yes. And yet they were new, exciting people. And instead of being a person, it feels like when a woman comes on the scene, they're just this commodity that like, and you can it's it's like candy and you're only relevant relevant for a millisecond and i like i see you're giving me like pure kindness right now and like projecting to me the thing that i think is special as well yeah but i think the way people write about it is super problematic and if you knew me better you know that i just don't give that away i think that's why i was excited to do it mm-hmm. i i wear my heart very nakedly mm-hmm. on my sleeve and it's not like i like that i can have this conversation i'm I'm almost better at lying than I'm at telling the truth. It's weird. Like when I genuinely feel this way, somehow I worry it comes off. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm glad that it's you say totally that because I want genuine. you to. Yeah. Uh, no, but that you said you're saying you're confirming for me what I hope is true about myself, which is how I mean it to be. Okay, but dig this as an argument back to mm-hmm. me, Alex Karpovsky, Larry Levine, Orner Tekel. Mm-hmm. It's rare they'll read one of our reviews and not be compared to Woody Allen. Yeah. I'm not negating what you're going through because obviously no, that's I, true. I want to know this. But Do you are, feel like you're in the shadow and that I, you're a knockoff? We get a, we get annoyed at that oversimplification of, of a thing. There's not like Woody Allen right now that's the easy person for us to go to, but we still get that. Mm-hmm. If you're a male who's kind of funny, who's doing anything about relationships anywhere around New York, that is an easy go-to comparison. And I don't think the things you're talking about are being held back by the Lena comparisons. I mean, Broad City is a really popular show right mm-hmm. now, and I think your film's doing really well. But... I get it. It's annoying. I mean, I'm not. I'm not I don't only mean annoying. That I think that there's this, there's this implication that there's room for one, and unless she like, that's the undertone that I'm implying. I'm mm. not saying it's annoying. I'm saying that it is a threat. Really. And I don't see an implication that there's only one Woody Allen. Many people have made a living, like, doing what Woody Allen did, and continuing to entertain the masses the way that he did. And I think there's a subtle Im- implication that there's one funny woman in the world. See, I would think the world's opening up to you right now. There's mm-hmm. a part of me that's almost like, oh, I would want to trade places with her. Like, I bet you yeah. somebody wants to buy the show that you're developing, or you have a pretty good shot at maybe getting a pilot made or something. I yeah. feel like, is that not true of your it experience? It could. I, let, time will tell. Yeah. I just think it's, I think it's an interesting discussion. I really like hearing about the reactions to your work because I hardly hear that. Uh, from other directors. Well, what what I think I was writing my paper on when I was when it was going to be whatever Dan Schechter on appropriate behavior was. I felt 2014 was this weird tipping point of insane, aimless complaining by women, but also by very mm-hmm. sycophantic men who want to earn super cheap points <laughs> by saying this is bullshit and there should be more women. And when I went into your film, I never go into a movie deciding what my piece is going to be about when I'm writing for this mm-hmm. website. But at some point watching, I just thought. 
this is so much more effective to have more women writing, directing, yeah. and having a strong woman is to have somebody actually go do it. And I'm a strong believer that that is a very doable goal nowadays. So, of course, like, sexism is this. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I, I think I wish more female filmmakers would say, go do it. You can do yeah. this. Add to those numbers if, it, if you really feel that strongly about it because that seems very possible to me nowadays. I try... I. I get, I'm sure you get emails all the time from young filmmakers who want to have a coffee or lunch or ask you. I don't care if it's a guy or a girl. I'll give them all the same advice. And in fact, I think if they're a woman, there's even part that they can, and maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like the world almost wants to show how not sexist it is and embrace them. Is that a a false perception? Well, what's really weird about these uh, percentages that people are showing and the articles is that they're all being written about Hollywood. And yet all the opinions and the questions we're getting are to people that they can actually interview, which are like broke filmmakers like me who will like <laughs> do any piece sure. of publicity possible. And it's well, like... Well, Jessica Chastain. I mean, people talk about it. People talk levels. about it. and But the thing is, there is such a different world between the indie film world, like very scrappy, very DIY versus this next realm. I mean, I'm curious to know what the energy is or what the the feeling is once you start working within the Hollywood system because my best friend and I enabled ourselves to do this. We raised a small amount of money to do it and we called in every favor and my parents helped with craft services and we just did it. Yeah. I do not plan to work this way in the future. I would like to build a life. I would like to start a family um, and I would like to be a uh, I'd like to be a person who is on more than 13 screens at a time. So I agree, but I think my feeling is that's an extremely hard thing to do. And if you're female or if you're black, it's, it's easy to point to that's the reason why I didn't do it. But I think it's hard for anyone oh, to can't get bring to that level. In, we can't bring race into this because uh, foreign sales for race are so much harder. That's a major part of the conversation, yeah. too, with foreign I mean, sales. I can't begin and to women. approach that. Women don't finance movie overseas as easily either. You, there's, it's mostly men. I mean, I'm at a level now where I'm trying to make films at that level. Um, I can't say her name, but there's like an amazing actress who might want to do the next film I have to make. And I can't say her name, but it would be so much more interesting if I could. But like, you wouldn't believe how big she is, and I... She has no foreign value. Zero. Zero foreign value. Well, what is it like going into making a film starring uh, Jennifer Aniston? Well, that's which w- was the last one of the three made. women on the planet who are at that level yeah. that they're international. So once she signed on, it became like a real go movie. It still took about a year to raise the amount. That movie was like a eleven a year that she million was signed, budget. and that year that that no. you had Jennifer Aniston attached. Oh yeah, my agency was like uh, on Valentine's Day, two thousand twelve. <laughs> I had to meet with both Jennifer Aniston and Dennis Quaid, who was going to be in the movie at that point. Wow. And like, they're like, if you nail both of these meetings, we'll get you the money. It was like that. Oh, my God. And I did. I, I, those meetings are scary. You're going to start to have those when you have your next project. They're really fun, too, to get to sit down and rap with somebody that you're like a fan of. And I never sat down with anybody unless I truly thought they'd be good for the part. And I wanted to work with them. And I've never sat down with anybody who didn't end up signing on to something because I don't good know. Good for you. That's impressive. Well, it's a, it's a different but interesting conversation, but I find that once an actor wants to meet with you, at that point, it's almost like an asshole or a moron test. Are you an asshole or are you a moron? Yeah. So when, I know at some point you had to sit down with Lena before you did Girls, mm-hmm. I think she probably just wanted to make sure you were as cool as you seemed, yeah. would be my perception. Um, but the Aniston of it all changed everything. I mean, I owe her everything. That made it like a real movie, and I felt I gave her something she hadn't done before, and uh, it was a cool ride. But that movie didn't set the world on fire. It made pretty little money. I don't have a lot more career prospects now because I made it. It didn't do particularly well. And I do wonder 
if I was a woman, if I would be tempted to say it's because I'm a woman now, nobody wants to work. No, with but me. I, I think wonder. that if you were, I wonder if you were a woman, if you would still have as many prospects as you do or as you will now. Like, I wonder. I don't if... have many prospects right now. Oh, okay. Like, really, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Like, I'm not in that place. I feel like I'm at the bottom of the mountain and I have to create a new thing. I've made something, so I'm not nobody. Yeah. But like right now, I That's so do not feel the world is open feel to me. That way. I feel like if I make a second film that doesn't like isn't doesn't set the world on fire financially, I don't mean like people write about it. Like we 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 make a lot of money, then I will uh, go into director jail, and I will never uh, come. I out feel of it. like I'm in director jail. We're talking about the fact that you think that a woman in your position would be in the exact same position you are, and that it doesn't. This stuff isn't gendered. No, I guess there's a part of me. I feel a little cruddy about how my movie came out, didn't set the world on fire, mm-hmm. didn't get awful reviews, didn't get amazing reviews. It's like yeah, 65% of Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. I closed a Toronto Film Festival. I had an amazing cast. I accomplished the incredible. goal that I set out to do. Um, but I feel like, yeah, I'm a bit in actor jail right now. I'm not like a hot commodity or whatever. Especially around award season, you just see everyone getting all the love, and you, you, Ugh. every filmmaker, you, you're like, oh, that you have a pain for <laughs> this it. This industry sucks. Nobody should make movies. Um, and I kind of agree. And awards are bullshit, but that's a whole other thing too. Um, but there's a part of me. All I can do is blame myself. But then, if I was a different race or a different sex, I would jump onto that excuse of why I'm not going on to the next level, like I- nobody's business. And I just, I, I don't know, I'm bringing you know that, would you, is, in my position? No, here's how I think about this. I just think that, all right, making your first feature, and so all the women I met, or all the people I met at Sundance, of all the people, there were a fair number of women versus men last year in my section next, and some of the greatest films I saw there and the most lauded films were by women not to say more so than men but it was like it felt normal I didn't feel pulled out as a female director it was normal this year too I think there's a high ratio of of female filmmakers and in the year that I spent traveling afterwards I felt like I kept seeing great first time features made by women I think in the indie sphere women are just as capable of enabling themselves to go that make that first inexpensive film yeah. and that's all we can really talk about with and any it's a authority level playing field. you and I that's all we yes, know that's all we know yes. and I find it absurd that I keep getting asked in interviews about the discrepancy between women and men in this industry because I am not in this industry um, I am just step, dipping yes. my toe in this industry I did not have an agent when I made this film I am just, and then, so I see where the difference is, is between this next, these next few steps. So I'm being sent scripts right now that are sent to all the lowly filmmakers who've only made one feature that haven't made a lot of money, but that they have some buzz around their name. And I want to talk about that. Yeah. And I see, so there are two things. First of all, I see that there are some men who make okay first features and then go on to do things like uh, comic book films. And uh, those are not opportunities I've ever seen given to women. That is a fact. I agree with that. And then I think that the choices that men make are, I think I need to be far more strategic moving forward and that a man could make second, third feature. And I've spoken to several male filmmakers who are like, yeah, just keep going, keep moving forward. You'll at least have notches on your belt. Whereas I think, and 
I mean, listening to you, it doesn't sound like you feel the same way those men feel. I feel like this next film determines the rest of my ability to support myself doing this work. I go back and forth. I think all filmmakers are impatient and want to be directing. It's really fun. And like writing sucks and not doing something <laughs> sucks. And being on the film festival circuit's really fun. I imagine being an award season circuit is really, really fun. So you just want to do stuff. The choices moving forward for me will be different than for you. And I'm not ever going to push and say the lady button or the woman of color button. Uh, But I do have this feeling like I'll have less chances and that it's convenient. I mean, I have to say it's convenient for me because I'll also, I'm not taken as just a director now because I'm, I'm, I star in my film and because I did a cameo on girls, there's this element of it of personality that will go into it. And if I want to direct a film I don't star in, which is the film I want to make next, you know, it's going to be a different journey. Really? You don't want to star in your next film? No. I, I'm, I've written a TV show that I do star in, but um, features-wise, no. I'm, I won't be starring. That's really interesting. Yeah, I really want to see more films that you make, too. I, I even have a theory, like, I don't... I didn't want. To, I don't want to do TV for a while. I want to gather more life experience. It scares me to do TV. I see a Why lot of. Why does young... it scare you to do TV? Uh, I I think life experience is more crucial to television than it is for really? for film. Yeah, I do. I I think eventually you're you're gonna run out of stuff, you know, to do. But a film you can really focus on one idea. My favorite shows ever, if I'm just looking at stuff that I've really loved, is by somebody who's usually lived a pretty. You just feel it. You feel when you watch Sopranos that somebody's marrow deep in life experience, and that's infusing all of their work and. I like girls, but sometimes you'll watch an office sequence and you'll be like, I don't know if that's what the working world feels like or something like that. So it goes, I think it goes both ways. But then, I, yeah, I watched Broad City, I think last night with Jennifer and we laughed our asses off and it's yeah. great too. But I don't, I don't want to have nothing to say by the time, you know, I'm too young. I don't want to get it all out of my system yet. So part of that sort of intimidates me. Which isn't to say you shouldn't do it. I think it'd be great. That's but so interesting. I never thought of it that way, but you're right. I think there are there's different a lot of truth beasts. to it. And it also is like where your talents lie. Like, do you like short form, anecdotal, silly funniness? Or not silly. I mean, I work in comedy, so that's where my interests lie. Or do you really want to delve deep? And I'm so tired of delving deep. Yeah, but we also like dialogue and characters. And and, and yeah, so that's that's also really conducive to television. For whatever reason, I I almost like don't even want it. I think that's part of the reason my agency wasn't too thrilled with that. I just, I didn't have my idea yet. And I didn't think I was ready for it yet. I actually wrote a spec for girls. Whoa. Back in uh, whenever the show got, I read the pilot and do I loved it. Do people do still sell specs? No, I, I. It was before the show got picked up. I didn't tell Lena I was going to write it. It was before it got. picked I never up. told the story. Was uh, it okay? Wait, had you read the pilot? I read the pilot. I loved it, and I was. I'm like Larry Sanders is my favorite thing ever, and Judd Apatow starred on Larry Sanders. <laughs> so the idea that I knew Lena, it was HBO, which is my like mecca, like my yeah. the greatest stuff in my life is from HBO. So I didn't tell her. I whipped up. I didn't ask her where she thought the show was going or anything because I didn't want her to go, hey, don't write that. That's uncomfortable. And then I, I, I wrote it. I thought it was – it also infused everything because I studied her writing. I studied Tiny Furniture. And suddenly just writing my firsthand experience, you, you picked up on that a lot earlier than I did. I wrote all my shitty cliche shit in my early 20s. And then suddenly looking inside, I was like, oh, this is like running with the weights off. I can just tell my own anecdotes. I can talk like I would. I can yeah, yeah, yeah. F- find weird idiosyncrasies that I have. And I, I thought it was the best piece of writing that I had done up to that point. And I mailed it to her. And then she was like, oh, this is really cool. But uh, there's like legal stuff. And I can't really look at it for a couple months. And then oh, I think God. Be- she, she, wants, she got back to me after a while. It was like about Shoshana. And I thought it was like a good. Because I thought like Lena, 
when I read the pilot, I felt, and I guess I still feel this way about the whole show, is like, Hannah's the best part of the show, and I wanted to like beef up the other girls, and I had, I had like a really good Shoshana Marty episode or something, and yeah, it was great. I was like really into that. I actually read it like a year ago to see if it was like as good as I remember. <laughs> but then I wrote, but then I went and wrote supporting characters like in three weeks, be- wow. because I just had that energy. Yeah, it was just oh right, this is easier. No one told me that. <laughs> Just like no one told you that watching the first cut of your movie sucks. Like, I'll tell it to every filmmaker, so when they watch it, they don't want to kill themselves. It's called a suicide cut. It's, it's really weird how bad. simple things we don't tell someone who's doing it for the first time. Like, I, just, I, I want somebody to, like, learn from my mistakes so badly. Like, that makes me happy. But maybe you have to make all the mistakes yourself. Is that the thing? I mean, it's hard to trust someone. It's hard to believe it when someone else tells you. You kind of have to get your face in the mud. Wait, can I understand something here? You... The, I'm just so fascinated by this. The turning point in your career was when you wrote a spec script for girls and then you realized that through writing Marnie and Shoshana yeah. that you should write from your heart. Yeah, even though you wouldn't necessarily see it, that was really personal to me. The, That's two, the beautiful. Two major, the, two, the A and B storyline of that episode was something that happened to me. Two separate elements. Can I ask you to tell me what happens in this episode between right, Shoshana? Because Shosh- Shoshana and Marnie have never had like a real dynamic together and in the last episode or like the first episode of this season Shoshana's like I'm so tells uh her ex-boyfriend like I'm so glad that you slept with Marnie because she's my least favorite of my friends keep in mind I didn't have four seasons no of any exactly knowledge. that's all what I knew so was fascinating. All right, so, so what happened? I'll quickly tell you the two storylines okay, for okay, people okay. who love girls who might be listening to this because I think it was great now uh Marnie had that boyfriend at the time right yes the, Chris Abbott who like yeah. ended up leaving the show um so he has to leave town Mm-hmm. But he forgot that he has to watch his ex-girlfriend's dog, which was their dog. So now Hannah and Marnie have to watch, like, Marnie's boyfriend's ex-girlfriend's dog. And they fucking oh, okay. hate this dog. So that's yeah. one storyline. And then Shoshana was living with, what's, Jessa? What's her Jessa. Other? So in the middle of the night, they're pounding on their door. EMTs come through their apartment, like, kind of good-looking guy or whatever. Goes up the staircase, and there's a girl upstairs who took too many pills and committed suicide. And somebody told the ambulance and then they watch her and Shoshana becomes morbidly obsessed with this girl who got dumped by her fiance and tries to get the fiance to go back to her because she's really sad because like, Shoshana was really eccentric but I wanted to justify it not to yeah. say she was just an idiot from Long Island yeah. I wanted her to have like Adderall and like she was socially awkward and she had sort of depression issues so I and that's what Lena liked about it she said I like that you took Shoshana seriously she was really nice Lena about it she said, I really love Shoshana I do too, yeah, and I, I love, love her performance. Them. And uh, Lena, the one nice thing Lena said was, well, she said many nice things, but she said, I never thought people could write in my voice until you, I read the script. And I'm like, oh, yeah, people <laughs> could do that. And that was really nice of her to say. But it was fun to play with it. But everything in there was something that happened to me, and I was just like, oh, write yourself. And then supporting characters like came pouring out of me. That's... No one told me. I, didn't, I don't have any mentors. I don't have any friends. I, I was just guessing. But I was so jealous of the South by Southwest like era, like Swamberg and Bajalski and all those people. Lena, too. She was obsessed with them. And my movies, like in my early 20s, were like bad, cliche films. And, and that cost way more, 400, 800,000. Those movies cost like no money. And they were super authentic and really great time capsules of who they were. And I wanted to make that. And I think that's why I like your movie. That's why I jumped at it when it was on Nick's list. I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to see that movie. As soon as I saw the clip, I was like, that's the kind of thing that I encourage people to make and that I just enjoy watching. Well, that's probably why you don't think there's a discrepancy between men and women in the industry because you were the way you found your voice was through an episode of Girls. I guess that sounds silly. Yeah, I don't know. Somehow it doesn't seem that weird, but I guess <laughs> it seems that way. But also, when I write women, I try to... It's a cool way to kind of sneak in your own shit. Yeah. <laughs> 
we have to wrap up, but I, I feel like one thing we didn't do is like get to the meat of this gender talk. Well, and I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess we just opened up a can of worms and never, but like, what was the, I want to know what the, what was so problematic I feel like no with the what thing you wrote. We though. do in this conversation, I'm going to come off like Andy Kaufman no, when no. he was that wrestler and you're going to be like uh, Amy Adams and Enchanted. Like there's no way to not look like a, but it's also, we, you and I discussed, you and I discussed it. This is harder coming from a man. It is harder, but I agree. I agree that more women need to empower themselves to, to make films and that we can't use indie women cannot use this Hollywood numbers as a crutch. Yeah. That I think it's different if you want to be a showrunner on network television. I think that is where you can look at it and not avoid it, but that you have to find a female like or a mentor to build an alliance with and like really attack it in a different fashion. Yeah. Cause that is more of an old, I mean, even that's changing, but I was curious to know what it was, what was in your piece that you felt was uncomfortable. I think it was just the basic premise that I don't like aimless complaining and finger pointing. There's something to me when I see someone post online, there should be more female directors. Mm -hmm. There's the subtext of that is that men are keeping them down. And yes, focusing solely on the independent world, which which Nick was really helpful to make very clear about my piece and which what I mean. Yeah. I have not perceived any higher level of rejection or or, or problematic things that young female filmmakers face getting into the independent film world that, versus my experience. I just personally haven't. And I talk about how I went to the University of South Carolina and I was talking to a bunch of students and they had a very pre-perceived element of they were going to face a lot of sexism going into the business and that kind of made me sad it made me think that this voice on social media isn't empowering it's like victimizing and it's not helping anybody and i'm not even sure it's a reflection of reality necessarily but yeah like i said your movie let's just do more of that yeah i mean the thing that i just want to say that i do agree that i think that from the lady in the room uh, Let's get this over with. I'm giving you the thumbs up on the fact that I think some of this writing is problematic and that to have, and I feel like, in, and I know other female filmmakers who will shut down an interview if the, the journalist asks about the discrepancy between men and women in Hollywood and what is the advice they have for female filmmakers because I think it, like, I, from what I guess from them is that they feel like it takes them away from being a just a filmmaker and then a quote unquote female filmmaker, yeah. which is sort of ghettoizing the work they do and the person that they are. And I do in that way, I think this conversation is harmful. However, I do think a conversation needs to be had at a higher level, but I think we should be interviewing executives. I agree with that. I want to be telling young filmmakers, go women, <laughs> go write, do, yes, please yes. write and go direct. I'm not trying to put words yeah. in your mouth, but I agree. That's a whole thing that's theoretical that we can't control. But, but that we, we should can have be a, encouraging but yeah. to a young female filmmaker, mm-hmm. which Word. is like the big. I mean, I I truly think that I saw Ava DuVernay did a screening at the, the DGA, and she said something like, uh, "You know, we need more uh, female voices, not less." And that was it. There wasn't any other yeah. huge applause line. And I just I don't know. I wanted more out of that conversation what did you than want? just that. I wanted, uh, I mean, look, I haven't read everything she's ever written, but I wanted her to go, and that's our responsibility to start writing and, and, so and, you're, and making So films. you're saying, like, and I agree with this, like, women need to empower women yes. to keep moving forward. And I can't say that, and that's why I think the article was always doomed to fail yeah. in that, and look, you see me, I get worked up, yeah. but the more worked up I get, the more of a fucking monster like, I come off like. But I really feel like my heart's in the, in the right place, because yeah. I... I'm not just saying this look like Mr. Nice yeah, Guy yeah, on the yeah. show because I'm not. I was so excited to see Thank you. your film. And one last loose thread that we should tie up 
um, is what what did you cry about in therapy? Today? And then and then, and, then, and then we're gonna wrap it up. Was it based on your movie? Because I mean that's a big week you're having. Oh my was god, anything... that's so sweet that you thought that I was in therapy crying about my movie. No, but I'm, I'm I don't know. I'm trying to make no. It like I was crying about my personal life. I was one hundred percent. I am so blessed and honored about everything that's happening Good. with the work, and could not be more grateful. And I really, really, really am am lucky in every respect. And I'm surrounded by love and loving people. But um, I, and you know what? This is I'll say I'll share this much <laughs> that you can be in a good place in your life and not know what you want and where you're going. Great. And I think that. Uh, what your movie's about. Yeah, and you can have reached your goal. And it's so funny because for so many years, the goal was make a feature, go to Sundance, make a feature, go to Sundance, make a feature, go to Sundance. I still have it. And you made the dream and your life is still a complete fucking mess. And you're like, oh, wow. I am so like, I, I'm so grateful and happy that those things happened and all those other problems didn't go away. But you're and in the also, game now, though. You can get you can get a phone call tomorrow, like so and so a director wants you to maybe. But be that wouldn't make my life better. Like I'm not saying really? my life is bad, but I'm just saying like <laughs> once you reach the professional goal that you put all your faith in, all your confidence, all your marbles in, and then you reach that goal, it you not only change the stakes of what success is, you also are still you. And that, I mean, I, that's not specifically what I was crying over in therapy, but like, I think it, it was, I've just turned 30. I'm, you know, in a bit of a tailspin. I'm figuring out what I want, where sure. I want to be, what I want to do. And it's just really fascinating that reaching all those goals and having your dreams come true didn't solve the crisis of being a human being, which of course it didn't. We're all human beings. We're all struggling. We're all trying to figure out how to put one foot in front of the other and when we want our kids and when we're going to die and all this bullshit. So that's it. Yeah. That's why I was crying in therapy. Well, that's today. good. So you'll have more stuff to make more movies and TV shows about. At least that's the good part about staying <laughs> fucked up. I've had a lot of life experience. Oh well, I look forward to seeing more of it on the big screen. <laughs> you're welcome. And I look forward to seeing you on Girls in two Thank more you weeks. So you're much. in the next two episodes. Uh, I can't announce how many I'm in officially, but I'm I'm in a few more episodes. All right, maybe f- two to five possible episodes. Thank I'm you the coming. new Marnie. <laughs> oh, oh my god, tweet it. New Marnie hashtag. Um, thank you for coming to my apartment and chatting with me. I, I really thank like you that I so much. I really appreciate it. Yay! Bye. Bye. <laughs> this is Nick Dawson from Talkhouse Film, and you've been listening to Dan Schechter and Desiree Akavan in conversation on the Talkhouse Film podcast. The episode was engineered and edited by Elia Einhorn. For more filmmakers talking film and TV visit thetalkhouse.com slash film. Subscribe to TalkHouse Film and TalkHouse Music Podcasts on iTunes, where you can find all our previous episodes. And while you're there, please rate and review if you can.